1: Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk.
2: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat, the weekly Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live. Joining me to look back on Saturday's 1-0 defeat at Cambridge United are Jack Ball and Chris Serrington. Hiya guys. Good How's morning, doing?
1: good afternoon, good evening,
0: whatever, whatever it is. Whatever time you're listening to us, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. <laughs> and wherever you are in the world. Yes, because yes, we, we do have listeners we do, all, yeah. over the, all over the globe. Yeah, people would
2: be surprised. We've got our Scottish people, of course, who mm. uh, sent a few questions in last week for Derek Adams.
0: Yeah, we'll look forward to, to seeing them uh, on the pre-season tour to Scotland that Ryan Lowe was talking yeah. about last week, Stu, and talking about maybe playing Rangers, which would be... Uh, I'll go look... Playing rangers at Ibrox, that'd
2: be quite Imagine cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be all right. That was fun last week, though, wasn't it? Yes. To get Ryan on, on the podcast. Yeah,
0: we had um, we had great feedback, didn't we? Um, Absolutely. So, thank you for those who, who got in touch. And um, yeah, it's not always easy to get special guests, but you know we we try our best. And Ryan, I thought was very he was very amenable, wasn't he? he walked walked in to, to see us in the boardroom <laughs> carrying his lunch and um, was was chomping away. And uh, no, I thought he was in. In really good form. Absolutely. Um, nice of the Arbal manager to have a chat with us, and he was in no rush, was he? You no, know, we, no, I mean, I think we'd have probably pushed it a little bit longer, to be honest. He was quite happy um, sat yeah. talking football with us. So, and
2: he also said to us as well, you know, fire anything at me, ask me mm. whatever you like. It, yep. You know, he's open to every question. So, um, and twenty questions uh, worked the 20 really well. As well yeah, so that was right. fun, wasn't
0: it? I think credit where credit is due. The questions for twenty questions were drawn up by Jack and Stu, <laughs> and. Uh, they were great. And I must admit, I listened back to the podcast. And sort of, he was really struggling, wasn't he?
2: Over he he took them. them very seriously, didn't he? It was, it was great. I must say though, I cannot believe that his favorite type of pasty is a Ginsters. I know Ginsters sponsor Argyle and what have you, but come on, Ryan, he get was, out and have a He was so in the
1: company line he there, was, wasn't, wasn't he? he? <laughs> well, a lot of the fans, have been offering to buy buying pasty, so maybe it was a very clever thing for him to say. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Right then, guys, let's uh, talk more serious things. Um, Chris, you were up at Cambridge on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. nightmare of a journey and yeah. not a tricky place to go as well isn't yeah, it yeah so it's difficult. a
0: long way to go isn't it as um any members of the green army will know uh, a one nil defeat um they just didn't play at all in the first half nowhere near the level that was needed um what makes it worse is that cambridge were there for the beating uh, some of the people at cambridge said oh, they, they played quite well and, and they they did but there's no reason why argyle playing the way they had done recently couldn't have won that game fairly comfortably, but no excuses. The first half wasn't good enough. Cambridge were one up at the break. Could have been more. Argyle did improve in the second half. Um, certainly the introduction of George Cooper made a difference. Got Argyle going forward. Um, but for all the possession and pressure they had in the closing stages, you know, clear-cut scoring chances were few and far between. And uh, it was just that... it it was not as bad as the Exeter City game but it was one of those where you think things are ticking along quite nicely and then they just throw in a 45 minute performance like that and um, it leaves you with question marks. This
2: is the thing and we've spoken about it on the podcast as well it it sums up League 2 for me Mm. you know Argyle have had a fantastic run of of results recently and League Two is that type of league where you can go to a Cambridge or have yeah. Morecambe at home and, and slip up.
0: Yeah, uh, I suppose it's inconsistency. We've spoken about that before. And even Ryan did last week, yeah. didn't he, on the, on the podcast? And fourth division, League Two players are probably going to be inconsistent because mm-hmm. if they weren't inconsistent, if they, were, if they were consistent, then they'd be playing at a higher level, wouldn't they? Yeah. But you looked at them in the first half and you think, Come on, let's take this game by the scruff of the neck. We're on a good run of form. You know, Cambridge um, hadn't played at home for a while, um, had a few players missing, they had a bit of a flu bug going around. Yeah, they were there for the taking, and for our goal to play like they did in the first half was really poor. Ryan Lowe, in his post match comments, made it clear that he'd, he'd had a, a real go at them in the dressing room, and there was a response. But when you look at the players on the pitch that they had in the second half, you had Cooper and Byron Moore as wing-backs ending the game, two attacking players. You had Sasevic, you had Meyer, you had um, Joel Grant up front with Billy Clark. I mean, you, you basically were playing with six attacking players and they still didn't get a goal and didn't really threaten to get a goal either, barring a couple of uh, late chances in stoppage time. So it, it was disappointing. Um, so they're going to have to do um, quite a bit better than that and get on, a, on another run of form, I suppose, you are going to get blips from time to time. Any team is, and cliche time. The secret is when you've had a bad result, then you need to go on another little run, and that's what Argyle are going to need to do over Christmas now.
2: Yeah, you obviously an Argyle fan, Jack, disappointed with the result.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, you know, coming off the back of wins against Forest Green and Bradford, you know, hopes raise a little bit, and like we said, Leeds is inconsistent, and and that's what you get. The good thing for Argyle is that most teams in the League 2 are inconsistent as well so it's mm. not like they're much further off the playoff pack than they were beforehand but you know, Chris is right they need to, go on, need to respond in the right way go on a little run and they've been outside just outside the playoffs for quite a while now they just need to try and go on a little run just to get just inside there and I think if they're just inside the playoffs come, come January I think that's not a bad position to be in um, we'll talk more about the game on Saturday a bit later but there's definitely incentive to win that one
2: more than one incentive yeah, I think there's yeah. plenty of reasons isn't there do you think though Chris given the result on Saturday that would have enhanced Ryan Lowe's um, thinking in terms of what he needs to do in January or do you think he's pretty he was pretty set on that front
0: anyway I, I asked him when I saw him after the game does, it, does a result and a performance like this change your thinking anyway to the chance window and his comment was well we've already got one or two possibly you know set up deals all ready to go um Striker is an interesting one. There's plenty of bodies at the moment, but but Billy Clark's on a short-term contract. Zach Ruddon's on loan from Rangers, and that ends in January. The best either of those look like getting at the moment is coming off the bench occasionally. Billy Clark came off the bench at Cambridge. Zach Ruddon was on the bench, but wasn't used as a substitute. Can. Can I really see either of those two players making a big difference in the second half of the season and playing regularly? Probably not, in all honesty. They haven't really shown um, enough to make you think that they're going to get your goals over the second half of the season. So, possibly those two players don't come back after January and then that maybe opens up um, opportunities for, for Ryan Lowe to go and uh, try and get a striker. Getting in a striker in a January transfer window, though is easier said than done mm. because you know what decent striker is going to be available in January for either no fee or a loan or you know clubs aren't in the habit of giving away decent strikers midway through a season and also which other League 2 club aren't looking for a striker as well you know yeah. apart from maybe Swindon
1: who might lose theirs there's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. not an out and out goal score in most teams in League 2 so I'm sure a, stri- a striker that can get 20 goals is going to be a top of most teams list I'd imagine in January well I think I think it's interesting
2: in, in the sense that I don't think there are that many quality strikers around at the moment mm-hmm. I think you look in League 2 I know Doyle's the exception he's scored mm-hmm. a, a Hell of a lot of goals this year, but there's not really any other standout strikers for me, really. And I guess, really, you look back at, at the summer when Ryan Lowe obviously wanted to sign Nicky Maynard. And... Mm.
1: I think I think Chris is right, though. I think there's plenty of bodies, but maybe are the players good enough to do what they need to do? I'm not so sure. If you're a striker, you've got to come off the bench and make some sort of impact on the game. And I think there's been too many times where there's some strikers have come on the bench. And I know it's not easy. But, you know, I remember Ryan Brunt years and years ago. He came off the bench and started getting goals and then he got into the first team. And if you're a striker, especially one like Clark, who's on a short-term contract, or Ruddon, who's lone end, you need to try and come on and make an impact when you get that it's, chance.
0: It's not easy, but those are the ch- the only chances you're likely yeah, to yeah. get. So you have to make the most of them. And it was interesting listening to uh, Ryan Lowe when we did the podcast with him last week, Stuart, and again after the game on Saturday, he was almost making a plea to his strikers. Come on, prove to me that you should be in the team by scoring goals. He's he's putting the emphasis on those strikers and saying, Look, if you want to play, you have to score. Ryan Lowe's not one of those managers that would say, Well, I don't mind it you know, he's not scoring so many goals because his build-up play is good or is this, that, and the other. He wants his strikers to score goals. That's what he was. He was yeah. a he was a goal scoring striker. If that doesn't sound obvious, but some strikers can do a little bit of all sorts of things. Others are just purely there to score goals. Ryan Lowe was one of those and he wants somebody to go on a run of goals and you know, here we are in December and the joint top scorers are a left wing back and a centre midfielder with five and that's not what he wants. But no. finding strikers who are prolific in front of the net is, is not easy, as you rightly say. Stu, so you look around there too, there's probably not that many what you'd call prolific strikers at the moment yeah. are so, um also the thing is with the Argos at the moment you've got Don
1: Telford you've got Joel Grant mm. and you've got Byron Moore who are probably the, the, the three top strikers at the moment mm. of the club and, and then you've got Ryan Taylor you've got mm. Zach and you've got Billy Clark who aren't making much of an impact and are taking up a chunk of wages that you yeah. don't really need to be spending mm. so you know Ryan Taylor's obviously on contract at the end of the season so he may well, may well stay but you've got the other two but that's that's free wages there mm. that almost being wasted. I'm not saying that I don't mean that to be to be mean, but it's true, they're not coming on, they're not making an
0: impact. I mean you mentioned um, Ryan Taylor though, he came to Argyle in a, in the January transfer window when he wasn't playing any games yeah, at Oxford. Yeah. Now he's not playing games at Argyle. He's on the bench most times but he's you know, he's not coming off the bench. Believe uh, Billy Clark was chosen ahead of him on on Saturday at Cambridge for example. So, you know, this is all you know hypothesis and speculation and whatever but say Ryan Taylor thinks, well I don't really want to spend the next six months of my life sat on a bench travelling around the country I, I wouldn't mind going somewhere where I'm going to at least play some games so maybe there's an option that he might um, but to have three players like that that aren't really contributing much say they Ruddon and Clark are not really contributing for whatever reason they're, they're not contributing so if you're, if you're Ryan Lowe then you've got to sort of think about how can we use our rules resources to try and improve that situation yeah. so I, I
2: think even with joel grant and um and, and byron moore that they're not out and out strikers no. either are they no. i mean joel grant's always been a winger mm. so it's it's asking a lot really to expect them to play up front and suddenly become these a natural goal scorer when they've never done it in their career
0: it is and you know and byron moore spent the second half playing at left wing back you know so there's not many strikers that oh players that yeah. start as a striker and play as a striker for an hour and then end up as a left wing back He's got that versatility but again perhaps not that a natural a natural striker and this, this was always going to be one of the issues wasn't it you know we talked about this at the start of the season you know where are the goals going to come from it was there was lots of question marks about people and uh, they've shared them around well but they haven't got somebody that you would you know with five minutes to go at cambridge have you got a striker who's really going to be clinical in front you know get a chance and put it in the back of the net and, and they haven't really they haven't got somebody I don't think that if the ball drops them in a six yard box and you need them to score an equaliser to get your point or you need them to score that winning goal I'm not sure there's that player in the yeah. squad at the moment and whether you can address that in January is debatable it might be one of those you, you have to wait till next summer and, uh, and see what you can find then
2: yeah, absolutely. It was Ryan made that interesting point to us last week as well, didn't he? Where he said if he was playing in this team, he'd be on fifteen goals already by now. And so. that was
0: quite telling, really, when you think about it, because he was a, a goal poacher, and that I think that is quite telling because there is nobody like that in that in that team. I mean, fifteen goals is a, is a lot more than the five that they've got at the moment. Yeah.
1: I, do, I do also wonder, you know, teams are going to know the situation a lot more now than in August possibly for loan signings from youngsters from Premier League mm. clubs they might be more willing to let people out so I think lo- the loan market may be the way that the, they yeah. may go because there's, yeah. there's not many loan players in the,
0: t- in the squad at the moment no yeah. so uh, a loan market championship Premier League player is, is definitely a possibility isn't it mm. but, um, and as you
2: say it sounds as though he's got a couple of things lined up so um,
0: yeah Watch that's, this space the, yeah. the good thing is That if he
1: needs to Clark and Ruddon can go And it frees up some wages So that's that's good, a good position To sort of be in they're, they're not locked in Having these free strikers At the end of the season With no budget That would be more of a concern I think Yeah
2: well I mean That's another interesting point Because you know We see a lot of comments On social media And everyone's saying Or not everybody There there are uh, some people That are saying You know Simon Harris invested In the grandstand now Now it's time to invest <laughs> In the team Yeah But as you said Chris He's not that type of chairman Is he Well
0: I think he's made it clear, I've certainly done an interview and a story with him where he said that he's he's all for investing in infrastructure, um, but not so much for investing in the in football team because that that is an easy way of losing money, spending money on football players and deals don't work out and things like that. He is invested in the infrastructure because he believes that that will generate the extra money that Argyle needs to then be able to put into the first team squad. Uh, so I don't see Argyle, um, now that Simon Howard spent eight million pounds of his money, I don't suddenly see him putting lots and lots of money into the to the first team squad. And, and I've, I've definitely said this on the podcast before. I don't think a club like Plymouth I don't think a lead two club should cheat their chairman and owner like a, a cash point that no. whenever you need some money, you go and uh, you know say well, I want this, I want that. Sometimes at some point in time, the football club are going to have to stand on their own feet. And let's not just forget the the grandstand. Look at the. The, the infrastructure that's been, uh, been made, you know, Neil Dewsnip's coming in as a director of football, that's a wage. There's other people that have come into the football club on an extra wage. Um, there's a lot of money being spent at Plymouth Argyle Football Club, and at some point, the football club have to stand on their own two feet and say, look, this is what we've got. This is the infrastructure we've got. They've got the grandstand effectively open, or nearly open, and then it's down to getting it right on the pitch. and I think Simon Hallett's done more than enough. He's been extremely generous to the football club in, in building them a, a fantastic grandstand, which I know we're going to talk on and talk about a bit later in the podcast. So, Also,
1: I would say as well, taking it away from Simon Haller, I don't think it's wise in League 2 to be spending a lot of money. I don't think you need to spend a lot of money to get out of it. We mentioned this before in the podcast. Some of the teams with the best budgets in League 2 are struggling at the moment and not doing particularly well. Some of the teams with the lowest budgets are up in the playoffs I don't think you need to spend lots of money to get out of League 2 and look at the mess it left Berry, in you know it's, yep. it's all well and good Argyle mm-hmm. fans say, and fans all over the country will be mm-hmm. saying the same thing you know let's spend money let's spend money and then when a club like Berry goes through what it's going through and a club like Macclesfield's going through what it goes through fans are saying oh well um, you know I'm glad our club aren't going through that well they're not going through that because they're not spending stupid money mm. and you, it's a fine line and, you've, and people have got to take a step back and realize that sometimes yeah one
2: player that could come in january of course is george cooper we, we believe that there's a, a deal lined up for him or his loan deal to be made permanent in january um he came on and made a difference on saturday chris
0: yeah he's a, he's an interesting one george cooper because anyone who's seen him play for our can see he's he's clearly a talented player he's got a, a championship league one pedigree he's playing in league two um, we put the curse on him by giving him the Plymouth Live Argyle Player of the Month for October and uh, he's not started a game since. Yes. So um, through circumstances, and that's sometimes the way things work out in football, not always through your fault, you lose your, your place in the team. He played in the EFL Trophy game against Chelsea. Then Argyle went up to Bolton in the FA Cup. um brought Danny Meyer back into the team and, and things went well and George Cooper hasn't been able to get back into the team. He played as a right wing back on the second half on Saturday and he, he definitely made a difference. He gave Argyle a bit more drive, a bit more creativity. It was interesting, Ryan Lowe said afterwards that you know, where do, where's his best position? Where do I get him into the team? The wing-backs have been doing well, and they have been, certainly prior to Saturday. Do I play him in the centre midfield position? But, you know, Sarsovic and Meyer have been doing... Where do I, where do I fit, it, fit him in? And the one thing he did mention as well, which I thought was interesting, that he said defensively he's not quite as switched on as I would like. And that's the problem with possibly playing George Cooper at right wing-back or left wing-back, but probably more so right wing-back, is... Do you trust him? Is he going to be able to do the defensive side? Because there'd be no doubt that going forward, he'd be able to put the crosses in, he'd have the pass. Going forward, there'd be absolutely no problem with playing George Cooper there. But are you going to go with somebody like Joe Edwards, who perhaps doesn't have that same creativity, but will give you that up and down and and a bit more security um, on the defensive side of things? So... Where you work George Cooper into this Argyle starting lineup is is a really difficult question, I, I think. And certainly with his performance on Saturday, he merits very serious consideration to be playing against Morecambe on Saturday. But what position, Jack? It's, it's tough. I mean, I've, I've got to be honest,
1: I'm, so, I'm surprised the last couple of games that Conor Grant's come in rather mm. than George Cooper. I think Conor Grant came on against Bristol Rovers. He's been off, out for a long time. I suppose he needs to get his chance at some point um but george cooper for me maybe should have come on Mm. and yeah, so I'm a bit surprised when Connor Grant started, didn't he, on, um, yeah. on Saturday. So that maybe surprises me a little bit, but it's, it's a weird one. I can't believe I'll go in a position where they don't know how to get a player like George Cooper into the team. You yeah. know, God, Any time over the last three years, he would have got into any team we probably had. And it's, it, is, it says something that we, can, we can't get him in. I've said, I've said quite a few times on this podcast, and I still stand by it, though, if he doesn't get much more game time, I can't see him staying mm-hmm. in January because why would you? He's, he's left Peterborough to get football, and if he's not getting football, why is he going to extend his stay? It's a tough one. I would like to see him start, but of course Chris is quite right. Edwards has done a good job, and so is McFadden on the other side. But he would he would definitely be my first choice if one of them are out over anyone else.
2: But not in that you wouldn't have him in the starting eleven, or
1: it is tough. I, whilst it seems crazy to say that George Cooper shouldn't be in the starting eleven he does, because he's been he's been superb. And every time I've seen him play, he's he's done well, and it's but. And Sarcevic hadn't upped his game. I mean, Sarcevic's been outstanding this season. It's mm. not, you know, Danny Mayer's a name on his own. Sarcevic, I would argue, is possibly not. But he's, Sarcevic's been, for me, well, the basically player of the season so far. So he's done incredibly well to keep George Cooper out. And I find it hard to say that I wouldn't start him up because I think it, in terms of when I've seen him, he's been one of the best players I've seen. But it's tough at the moment. Maybe, maybe... Maybe him for a Mayer. wing-back... Yeah, Mayer's not done yeah maybe, maybe maybe Mayer needs some time on the bench and needs to up his game a bit more it's, it's tough isn't it? it it really you know we're struggling and it must be half of Ryan Lowe who sees him every day on the training ground because he knows what George Cooper can do he, he, he brought him in because he knows what he can do and it must be frustrating for him that he can't find a place in the team as well it's, it's, it's a bizarre one
2: it's one of those where a manager wishes he could play 12 players <laughs> instead of 11 no <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I wonder though
1: whether Argo ever had such a talented player not being able to get into the team not for a long time I would mm. imagine yeah, well it's, it's almost
2: like, you know, 12 months ago we were talking about how does Derek Adams get mm. um, Graham Carey and Jeremy yeah, Ramirez into the same team yeah. And he, he found a way in the end, didn't he? So, yeah. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast um, Chris, you were up at Home Park yesterday um, in the new Mayflower stand Watching yes. the Argyle Ladies take on Watford That sounded like a, a thrilling game
0: Yes, um, if you didn't catch up with that, the Argyle Ladies were playing a, a top-of-the-table game against Watford they're in the FA Women's National League, Southern Premier Division, which is like the third tier of, of women's football. Um, went partly along so I could have a look around the grandstand and see what it was like with fans inside inside there. But I also saw um, a couple of ladies games uh, over the past couple of seasons and enjoyed them. And I have to say that I thought um, it was a great game of football. Uh, Argyle lost 5-4, but they led 2-0. 3-2, then fought back to 4-4 and then conceded a goal quite late on. It was a great game of football, uh, well played to all the girls. I thought they gave a really good account of themselves. It was a crowd of 800. It was extremely chilly on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I suspect the weather might have put a few uh, people off from going, but um, great game of football. So well done to Dave Leonard and all, all his players. Was fun- some fantastic goals. Um, there was a, a great free kick from Helen Blazard, um, uh, Bo Jackson scored with a fantastic strike. They was, there were some great goals, it was a great game of football, really enjoyed it. And uh, The ladies play at Manadon Sports Hub, their, their home games. Um, if you're ever around on free on a Sunday afternoon and you're not sure what to do, go and see them because they, they really play some good football. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And. Uh, Like I say, it was a chance to have a look around the grandstand and and it was interesting. I've been fortunate because I've been up there a few times and John Back, the head of operations, has given me a little bit of a tour around. Stu, you came up last week um, for the podcast with with Ryan Lowe, so you had a little bit of insight in. It was fascinating watching the fans, you know, going in and, you know... their, their expressions and uh, <laughs> yeah just just getting used to I suspect a lot of them were were fans that used to sit in the grandstand and were now back and oh, this is a bit different and what's you know this that, that, that. so it was it was good to see how it um, how it worked so yeah I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it I must admit and what do you make of the new stand I, I think you know it's, it's a fantastic facility for the club to have I think the corporate um, side of it although as football fans instinctively you're perhaps not mad keen on the corporate side of things but it is going, to, it should j- generate that additional money that Argyle need to invest in the team I thought it looked great um, the, the conference hospitality side of things looked really nice um, upstairs in the, the upper concourse it's a little bit tight for space um, but it always was before the, the redevelopment uh, I think you know, at half-time there's going to be a few queues and a bit of congestion up around there, but I'm sure if goals steward that properly, they can prevent too many problems from coming in. Uh, but there's a nice bar area at the far end of the upper concourse where people can go. There is a lot more space though outside of the ground and people can mill around. And it's just nice to see that lower part of the grandstand with seats in and, and actually people sat there. Uh, I think it it looks smart. Uh, what it did confirm is that you will get wet if you sit in the lower tier and if you get heavy rain Um, I suppose that's no real great surprise that happened in the old days when it was just the terrace and when temporary seats were there but uh, I think Argyle have got something that's way, way better than they had before and I think the aim was to try and keep something with character but with 21st century facilities and I think Argyle have done that and the key to it now is making that hospitality conference, whatever you want. They've got to drive the money and get as much money as they can out of that because that's the way the football club will benefit. But um, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. I mean, the, the game on on Saturday against Morecambe, which we'll talk about in a in a second. That would be like the first proper occasion. <laughs> Do that. was going to interrupt you there. <laughs> That'll be the first proper occasion when the fans will, will turn out in numbers. Like I say, there was about eight hundred there on that. well, not about. There was exactly eight hundred fans on on Saturday, so I look forward to seeing home park well full for the uh, the game against Morecambe. Were those eight
2: hundred fans all in the the Mayflower? Yeah, or they? yeah.
0: So on both tiers. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was. I liked it. I, I think it's it's great. You know, could could things have been done better? Yeah, of course they could have, but they would have cost more money. And yeah you know that did cost eight million pounds that's no small change is it and again going back to Simon Hallett without him I wouldn't have anything anywhere near as good as that it's 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 a really good facility and yes you know there's one or two things that in an ideal world you would change it's a bit like Ryan Lowe said to us last week during the podcast that he wouldn't have minded the dressing room to be yeah. a bit bigger but that was the money that's what you've got I think for the money that's been spent yeah it's an awful lot of money but the facilities are, are excellent. Also, you know, Sam Halleck came in when the plans had already been made, some
1: of them hadn't he? I mean, it 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 wasn't a Sam Halleck from start to end his way or the whole way. So there was that sort of transition, right? Yeah, definitely. And also, you know, I think. If any fans are maybe moaning a little bit about lack of space, I think you know the main the main point of this was the the, the, mm-hmm. the, the money making side of it. And again, if fans want money to be generated to be spent on the team, there mm. has to be ways to do that. Yeah. And you know the facilities are better than what they were before. I mean, those wooden seats that used to be there were awful. I don't know how people sat on them for so long, mm-hmm. but they're better. It may it's not gonna it's not a Premier League. Ground, it's not, of course it's not, but it's much better than what it is before. Hopefully, it will generate money, and that's that's the benefit. And hopefully, the team will see see benefits from that in the future.
0: I mean, what did you think, Stu I mean, you know, it, it was we have a little look around, and it's it's, yeah. it's quite roomy, it's quite a decent size, isn't it? In yeah, of So Yeah,
2: um, I, I like the way it had been designed as well. I like the fact that there's the players' lounge at the end, and mm-hmm. it's near the changing rooms, and yeah. you know, there's been a lot of thought that's gone into the actual mm-hmm. layout of, of mm-hmm. the new stand. Um, the boardroom was very nice wasn't it I, mean, I went in with my bottle of water and I was scared to <laughs> put it on the table because I didn't, didn't want to leave a mark But um,
1: yeah. I, I have to say the outside with the lights looks fantastic that I've, looks good, I've, yeah. I've only seen it from pictures I've not mm. seen it in person so I can't wait mm. um, for the Bristol, Bristol Rovers. Rovers replay when it's mm-hmm. all lit up mm. I'm, I was a bit concerned that the, I never really saw the outside coming together too much, mm. and now all of a sudden it looks complete. And that that bit where it says Mayflower and all the lights of mm. that—that looks, you know, when you look at the plans and look at that, mm. that looks exactly like it said mm. on the plans. And I'm I'm really impressed by that. And I think if you're in a away fan, especially when you're coming to a League Two, and hopefully next season League One, maybe if you're in a away fan, coming to that ground, it's they're pretty impressive. You know, of course it's not like Manchester City's ground mm. or Spurs' new ground, but I'm impressed by that grandstand from the outside. I think it looks incredible. I,
2: I think that was important as well because I think without the the signage and the lighting and the way it's done aesthetically speaking I didn't think it looked particularly nice it looked mm. like a, mm. a bit of a corrugated iron type shed really but that really sort of brings mm. the whole stand to life I think and it yeah.
1: brings it all together and I think yeah. it, along with the Green Taverners suite I think it looks like a really really nice part now and I went to watch a, a concert at the Green Taverners suite last oh, yeah. week mm. and I was walking past with some friends that aren't football fans and they were impressed by it as well mm. you know and if you can bring people to the club that aren't football fans for different a- activities like I know Argyle are putting on or the Home Park are putting on mm. I should say then that's fantastic
2: yeah, I do think the Green is suite really is something that's that is something for our golf fans to be proud of,
0: and because of the way it's the cladding and everything like that, it's all uniform and it yeah. all looks. The whole south side of the stadium looks a lot better. You've got a lot more space out out the back of that. The car park will evolve, I presume, over the years uh, time to come. So yeah, it's 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 a really good facility. I think that the vast majority of people that either look from the outside or get the chance to go inside to the grandstand will be really impressed. You can't please everybody all the time and there's there's, you know one or two things that you in an ideal world you might have done differently but that was the money that's what they spent it on and I think it's uh, I think all credit to everyone involved they've done a really good job. And also what building work doesn't have things that if you could do it again maybe things would be a little bit different any
1: building any Mm. amount of money you'd always have that.
2: Indeed, and let's just say it will be used for the first time properly on Saturday when yes. uh, Morecambe arrive at Home Park, and a man you guys know very well yes. returns to Home Park. Derek Adams. What sort of reaction do you think he'll get, Jack?
1: I think he'll get a good reaction. I think it was it was right for him to leave in the end. I, I think it, it didn't really work out as as people had hoped. But looking back, you know, he did a great thing for the club. He got, I'll go up into League One, borderline in the playoffs in League One in a season when not many expected that. On a, on a budget, that's probably not as good as it is now, I'd imagine. You know, and he got some good players in. He did a lot for the club. He ov- obviously was around for a lot of this grandstand sort of talk and, and whatnot. So it's quite nice as well that he's going to be back for the opening of mm. that. I think he'll get a good reaction overall. It's, it's exciting because it's made you know a home game against Morecambe normally just before Christmas. It's, just, it's not exactly <laughs> anything to get your hopes up too much about, you know. But this gives the game a bit of spice, yeah, and I'm looking forward to that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I hope he gets a good reaction. I expect him to as well. Um, again, you can't please all the people all the time, but I think over the, you look at his time at the football club as a whole, and Derek Adams did a tremendous job, um, improved the club in lots of ways without necessarily having the same sort of amount of funds that that, that um, Ryan Lowe's had to work with in terms of the infrastructure and things like that. And. You look at all the improvements that have been made, so I think he he did a great job. Um, look forward to him coming back to home Park, um, and be interesting to see. The, you know, like Jack says, it's football irony, isn't it? You know, Derek Adams was at the football club for so long with that grandstand work going on and standing in front of the hoarding, and and then the first time you have the, the first Argyle home league game with it open, and, and Derek Adams is back again. So it sort of it almost feels appropriate, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that, no, you know so um, yeah uh, as, as, as again as Jack says you know getting this close to Christmas it's sometimes a bit difficult to get people to come in through the gates when they've got Christmas shopping and all the other million, million and one things we all have to do at this time of year but uh, Derek Adams and more can come in it just makes it that, a little bit more appealing the grandstand I'm sure there'll be lots of people wanting to get a good look around as well so I think it'd be a pretty decent crowd on Saturday to be honest and, and, and
1: with football it's all a bit pantomime anyway when, mm. a, when a manager leaves mm. you know I remember when Tony Pulis left mm. I remember when Ian Holloway left I couldn't get to the away games quick enough to see them for the first time and, and shout a few boos out because it's just part of the panto mm. not because I didn't like them it's just mm. that's part of the fun Ian Holloway I was a bit more annoyed at for obvious reasons <laughs> <laughs> but but you know that, that, that's the thing about football fans it is, it is part of the theatrics of football yeah, you know. Absolutely. and that's why I think a lot of fans will come to see this game and you know we'll all be hoping on, from an Argyle persuasion that we batter Morecambe, because that's what, you, well, that's what you want in football. But most people will hope that Derek Adams does well at Morecambe, you know, so it's, it's not an easy place to go. And we wish him well for everything he did for the club. Yeah, well, how, how do you think he'll do at
2: Morecambe? I mean, as you say, they're bottom of the league at the moment. I don't think he's won a league game since he's gone in there. It's I, it's a tough job, to, especially to follow on from someone like Jim Bentley, who'd been there for so
1: long as well. I've got to be honest, you know, we, I think most of us were surprised when he took the job. I'm, I'm yeah. surprised he took the job. Uh, you know maybe it's it's tough as a manager because I guess the, the dilemma is do, how long do I wait before taking a job before I'm one of these in a long list of managers that have not been seen of since that being said a number of jobs come up just a few weeks after that I thought Derek Hampton would be perfect for yeah, Morecambe there's n- there's not going to be many funds at Morecambe it's going to be a tough job What apart from not get relegated what can you do, can, what can you do to sort of boost your CV at that club I think it's a, it's a club where more likely you You've got a chance of getting relegated, and it will do damage to your club. It's, it's not easy, and it, it takes—how can I say this? About well, I can't say the—it takes cojones to uh, to take a, to take a job of to take a, to take a job of that standing for non-Spanish speakers, <laughs> What does that mean, Jack? Yeah. Bulls. <laughs> We're going to get a centre now. In the, it, it does, you know, because he, he had a good CV. Yeah, going
2: yeah. there, he he knew that wouldn't be an easy his job. His reputation and was on the line there. To it could go one of two I, ways. I always think back to when Paul Sturrock came back to Argyle the second time, you know. I, I think it was such a brave move on his part because Argyle were probably as high as they hit, hit their ceiling, really. They were just outside or in the playoffs, I think, mm-hmm, for the were. Championship. Yeah, they were. To take them that next step further is like Derek Adams trying to take Morecambe into League One almost, is you it? know. I think that Morecambe's
1: ceiling is a lower league League Two club. I mean, don't get me wrong, if he if he can somehow get them into the playoffs, you know, I mean people wouldn't have said that back at Accrington a few years ago. If if he can get them to the playoffs and your C V suddenly looks incredible, oh, but I, I think the chance of that uh So tough. It's a bit like Scottish football as well. You know, if you're a manager of Celtic Old Rangers, for me, the only way you can do well is if you do well in Europe because the Mm. rest is all... That is what you're expected to do. I mean, don't
0: forget, he he was a manager at Ross County for a long time and they were a Scottish third division side in the Highlands that had never really got to any great extent. And people would have said, well, what can you achieve there? And he got them into the Scottish Premiership. Now, I'm not saying that Morecambe is suddenly going to be in League One or the Championship under Derek Adams, but... um, I admire him for taking on the challenge. That would have been an easy one to, to say, no, I'll wait for yeah. the next job to come along. But as Jack rightly says, there's lots of managers out there who have probably waited for the perfect job to come along and it's never come along and they've never got back in the game. Yeah. Um, there are only 92 jobs as, as such, and there's lots more people than 92 wanting them. So um, they, it will take time for any manager to implement his style of play um, we know that Derek Adams has got a particular style of play that he likes. I don't know if squad squads got the, the players in it that are able to do that. He, you know, he might have to be busy in January to try and do something with it. Although again, resources might not be uh, you know readily available to him. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a t- anytime you're the manager of Morecambe in the football league, it's going to be a difficult job because you are. You know you're up against it you're you? up against it there's clubs with spending a lot more money than you are and you've just got to make the best of your resources and uh, i I think Derek Adams is a very good football manager and I think he'll keep them up but I could see it being quite difficult because he's not going to have much of an opportunity to put his stamp on that team this season I think the objective for, for them will be to stay up this season and then maybe for him to bring in some of his his own players next summer and yeah. and see if they can, you know, make a push mid table I know, mean, I They might benefit from the fact that only one team go down this season, you know, you, you never that know. could be a saving it's
1: grace for really. him. I mean one thing yeah. I will say though is I'm sure you mean you know Derek has better than I do, Chris. He's not gonna to want to lose this game on Saturday, I'm sure. No. He's a very proud man No he he's will be I'm sure Joy would even be happy with. He's not going to want to go there, to, to Argyle and get beat. That's for sure. No. I think
2: Argyle are going to struggle to break them down on
0: Saturday. He will be working really hard to make sure that Morecambe are hard to, hard to play. This will,
1: be yeah, like, this will be like, what for him, bringing Morecambe to Argyle. I'm not saying this to Big Argyle, like, but in the, in the battle sense, I think it'll be, he'll play in a similar way where to I mean, play Liverpool. Absolutely. that's the mm-hmm. same sort that of tactic, style. Yeah. yeah,
0: I totally
2: agree. I but think what, that's why it'll that, a struggle for Argyle. It, it, and
1: that tactic worked that well.
2: Yeah. That,
0: I mean, Anfield that day. Liverpool didn't really have too many clear-cut chances in that game and uh, I, he can he can set teams up to be very difficult to break down away from home and we've seen that at Argyle um, and Argyle benefited from that lots of times and as we said earlier on in the podcast Argyle perhaps haven't got the attacking players always that are able to convert chances and get goals and things like that and he'll be looking at it and thinking well... If we can keep, if we can defend solidly and keep them out, there's every chance you can always nick a goal on the break, set a piece, counter attack, things like that, can't you? So, um, I mean, you know, frustrate Argot. Oh I'm sure there'll
1: be a few yellow cards on Saturday. Yeah. It's also interesting that Derek Adams is not the most mild-mannered person in the dugout and the dugouts are very close together so that's going to be interesting i'm sure the fourth official will have a have
0: a, a bit of work cut out it's yeah. great i mean look we've spent about five ten minutes talking about an argyle morecambe game where normally you wouldn't yeah. got too worked up about it it adds that extra bit of theater absolutely an extra bit of uncertainty you know you know that Derek adams is going to be desperate for his team to do well how do our overcome that it's it's yeah, it makes it an intriguing name, doesn't it? I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward yeah. to it as well. Yeah. Do you think he'll keep him up, Jack? I
1: think he, I think he will, based on the fact only one team will go. I, th- I think they could be the second bottom. I think that's. I think his target will be let's just not finish bottom. Yeah. That that could be their saving grace this season. But you know he's he he's got quite quite a few contacts in the game. There are some you know he's got a history of working with players he's worked with before. Some of whom are not at clubs at the moment. January's coming up. Anything could happen. As long as he's within touch and distance of safety, which I'm sure he will be, he'll be looking forward to the job for the second half of the season.
2: Yeah, indeed. Right, chaps, we'll leave it at that. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Thank you, Steve. Thanks to you guys out there for listening. We'll be back with more of the same next week. Thanks for listening, bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at heraldpafc.com or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.